All righty. And welcome to our podcast listeners also. And um, so we're going to, uh, it's just before Christmas, but uh, we've been talking about the Christmas story a lot, so we're going to shift back on over to um, uh, what we've been learning before, which is in Ephesians. We're going to shift back over to Ephesians 4, and then uh, we're going to learn some, learn some stuff out of there. So, okay, so let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, come to you. We give you thanks this day and praise. Uh, we ask that you would open your word. We ask for your help in uh, just preaching your word and speaking your truth and understanding it. And Heavenly Father, that Jesus Christ would be lifted high in our hearts. We could see the greatness of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and that we could um, see how um, awesome of a calling it is to just follow him. Thank you for this day. Please bless your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so the things we've been learning in um, Ephesians 4, it started out with verses 1 through 12, which is basically um, walking worthy of the Lord, how to walk worthy of the Lord, right? In all lowliness and long-suffering and meekness, you know, endeavoring, to, bearing with one another in love, those type things. And how, and how all that's based on unity of all believers, right? There's one faith, one baptism, one, one spirit, one God and Father of all. Like everybody's equal. And then in verses 12 through 16, it talks about what my job is, is to equip you to be just like Jesus. And what your job is, is to do the work of the ministry and to edify the body of Christ. And so you can no longer be tossed to and fro with doctrine, but just you'll be able to speak the truth in love. And then effectively build up the body of Christ, right? To be effective in doing your job, whatever it is that God's equipped you to do. And so now we're going to take a look at verses 17 through, I think we're going to get through all the way through 32. So we'll go ahead and read them and then we'll kind of dissect them a little bit. Um, okay. So verses, and we'll, we'll go verses 17 through 24 and then we'll talk about those and then we'll move on from there. So Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility or vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness or hardness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. Do you say that with me? But you have not so learned Christ. Thanks. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so, and so, what, so he starts out here by saying, basically, the, all those things that he just talked about in verses 1 through 16 that, you're, that we're supposed to be doing, walking worthy of the Lord and being built up and edifying one another, he's saying you can't do those things unless you're walking, or if you're walking and living like the world all around you, right? And so he's saying don't walk and, you know, don't live like that anymore. He said no, to no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And so, and, and, and some, of the, some of the nuances in those, in those 
you know, words in there, the futility of their mind, that's the vanity or the emptiness. It's like, what are, what are people really living for? If you were to, like, you know, poll people on the street and ask them, okay, what is the meaning of life? What is life really about? You'd get a whole lot of different answers, but none of them would really, you know, strike truth. And then their darkened understanding. And so, and so in verse 18, we've got darkened understanding. We've got alienated from the life of God. And you know what that's about? Being alienated from the life of God, it's like being an alien in, an, in another country. It's like being separated, right? So you're separated from the life of God. That's what those people... So dark, darkened understanding, aliens from the life of God, separated from the life of God, in ignorance and in blindness, or what, what that word really is, is hardness of heart. And so the rest of the world is living in those things because that's the best that they know how. They haven't been taught anything different. They don't have an empowerment from the inside to live any way different. And so because of that, it says they're past feeling. They can no longer, basically, they can no longer feel God's tug at their heart. They used to, when like growing up, and so the, the studies show that if a person comes to Jesus, it's most likely going to happen the younger the age. As a person gets older in life, it gets fewer and fewer percentages of people become Christians later in life. And so, you know, down at the you know ten years old and below range, you've got a high percentage, but up at like the eighty year range, you've got a really low percentage. And so, and the, part of the reason why is because as as people harden their heart you know, to the gospel message, then it gets harder and harder, right? So they, then they get to the point to where they're past feeling. They can't any longer feel God's tug at their heart. It's just like that tug is a memory of the past. They can't feel it anymore. And then the next step, once, once, once a person's past being able to feel that, is, well, what am I restricting myself for? The next step is just no inhibition. Give yourself over completely to debauchery. Why not, right? I can't feel God tugging at my heart. I don't see any repercussions. Do, do whatever you can. Do what you can get away with is really what the message is. And that word lewdness there, um, giving them so, themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, that's just a readiness for all pleasure. It's like what, what life really ends up being about for these people is just trying to seek more pleasure. You know, what, in whatever form it is for that for that person. You know, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be... A lot of different things, right? But they just give themselves over to it. And so it's like, have you ever like, th this is the idea. It's like giving yourself over to that thing. That's that's a pretty big step. It's like, I, I, I don't want to control myself anymore. I'm going to give myself to that thing and let that thing control me because I enjoy the pleasure that comes out of it. And that's when somebody quits resisting. That's what happens. And so really what's, what's going on with that is um, spiritual stuff. So spirits really are real. Um, there's the Holy Spirit, and there's also evil spirits, right? And so, so it's kind of like this. Each so so these spiritual beings, you can't see them, but they are all around. And so they they kind of need somebody to inhabit. They need a host to act out what they want to act out. Like I'll give you an example. In Mark five, there's a demon possessed man, and he was cutting himself with stones and crying out, right? So he had a spirit of suicide. That's why he was cutting himself with stones. He was trying to commit suicide, right? But at the same time, he was crying out because he really wanted help, but he couldn't seem to find somebody to help him. But he was so he was acting out. The spirit was inside him, acting out the spirit of suicide, trying to kill himself. Um, but at the same time, he was crying out. So Jesus heard that cry from across the from across the the sea, and he came over just for that one man, just to cast the demon out of that man because he was crying out for help. So every spirit has a strong disposition that wants to that wants to carry 
out that disposition, but it needs a person to do it through. And so it's like when we give ourselves over to something, what we're really doing is giving ourselves over to, to control of a, of a spirit like that. But then we can also be people of the Holy Spirit, people who give themselves over to the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so the Holy Spirit gives us benefits when that when we do that, right? So some of these benefits, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna touch on them here real quick. In First John three twenty four, he testifies to our spirit that we're abiding in Jesus Christ. So he comforts us. In Acts eight twenty nine or eight eight not twenty nine and twenty one eleven, he gives us direction. He talks to us. He tells us future events. Ephesians 3, he reveals mysteries to us from God's word. John 6 and Romans 8, he gives us spiritual, gives spiritual life to our mortal body. So the Holy Spirit gives life to our mortal body. So here we are, you know, walking through, walking through this world, but it's really the Holy Spirit that's making us alive on the inside. Ephesians 2 and Romans 8, he's our prayer access to the Father. He intercedes and prays for us. And then in Romans 15, 1 Thessalonians 1, he gives power to abound in hope, and he's our source of joy. And in Acts 1, 8, he gives power, us power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. In Romans 15, he empowers us to do mighty signs and wonders to bring people to Christ. And then in a few other places, he gifts and calls believers to God's service. So we want the Holy Spirit um, to be working in our lives, right? We want him to be active in our lives. So another thing... Um, here is that I think that there's <clears throat> so there's a little bit of a disconnect between my view some of the American Christianity and the biblical Christianity and where it comes in is um, you know the, this is the idea with American Christianity with a lot of it anyway once you're saved you can just live any, any old way you want because you are good to go for heaven you know there's no risk to living however you want to, there's no repercussions to it, and so you are just good to go. You can, you know, live in all the debauchery that you want to, and with no consequence. Um, but that is not what this passage is saying. That's right. Um, it's it's he's he. We'll, we'll 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 get into it a little bit deeper here in just a second. So I, I'll, I'll mention this. So everybody will be judged based on their actions. It's just the way it goes. You'll see that in the whole New Testament. Everybody's judged on, on, on our actions. Not on our beliefs, on our actions. It's just our belief gives us the power to live God's way. Okay? If we believe in Jesus, if we trust in Jesus, then we can be changed and so we could live like Jesus, right? Be empowered to live a life like Christ. And then we'll get rewarded for those actions. But if we don't truly believe, then we won't live a life empowered by Christ. And then we'll be judged based on our actions again. So... Anyway, once 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 you start seeing that, um, you'll see it all over the place. And so now now that I told you, you're going to start seeing that if you haven't seen it yet. Um, so anyway, and I'll I'll just mention a verse about it. First Peter one seventeen, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, then conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here on earth in fear in fear of God. And so that's that's. That's the concept that you'll find throughout the New Testament. God's going to judge everybody based on our, on our work. And so the challenge is for us to abide in Christ, to let the Holy Spirit live through us, and so we could have his works, not our own. Okay? Okay. So, and Jesus said in Matthew 12, either make the tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. Right? Okay. So it's the new life that we're after. So once we have the new life, then we can... You know, have the works, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that comes through us. Okay. 
So that's just a little bit about that. And let's see. Okay. And so what? And, and so then what this goes on here to say is that if you've been learning Christ, right? So it says. Um, Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. And so in, in the verses before that, it's talking about people who've given themselves over to debauchery and to all this uncleanness with greediness and all that kind of stuff. Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. And then he calls them into doubt, into question a little bit as to if they're actually listening to Jesus. He says in verse 21, if indeed you have heard from him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And so if you've, and so there's a lot that the, the people learn but if it doesn't align with what I just taught, then it's not learning from Christ. You know, you've been learning something, yeah, but it's not from Christ. Okay, so verses 22 through 24, he talks about the put-offs and the put-ons. And so you got to, you know, put off your coat before you put on, you know, different clothes, right? That kind of thing. So to put off a couple things that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And there's a couple different word pictures you can use, but put off the old man, put off the flesh, right? Um, uh, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So that's the thing that we're supposed to step into. We're supposed to put on the new man and not take him off. These, each, each one of these are a one-time thing. You put off the old man, put on the new man, because you're not supposed to have to redo it again. You're not supposed to have to go back and, hey, I'm going to do this, you know, I keep falling, but I get back on the wagon. I keep falling. We're supposed to just put on the new man and just be able to stay in the new man, right? And it's possible. It's difficult, but it's possible, right? We can do it. It takes practice, okay? Okay. And so um, a couple other word pictures with that. Um, let's see. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live, but not I, because it's Christ that lives in me. And in Romans 6, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it's like we're dead to ourself. And so because of that, the Holy Spirit comes and fills us and then gives us life, the life of Christ. And so we could walk like him. Okay. And so then it talks about here to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that is an over and over continuous kind of thing. So it's like, you know what, this isn't one of those things where you know, you hear a sermon on Sunday and you are good to go for the next six months or the next, or whatever, you know. It's like, you know, you have to keep feeding your mind. You have to keep, you know, renewing your mind because we just veer so quickly to back into our old, you know, our old methods. And so we need to, we need the word of God to keep being fresh to us and so that we could stay, stay on his path instead of veering off. Okay. And then he gives some specifics in verse 25 through 32 on what that looks like. And so he says, okay, the big picture, put off the new man and put on, or put, put off the old man and put on the new man, right? That's the big picture stuff. And so then he goes into specifics here in verses 25 through 32. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Let each one, and so, so you'll see with what happens with each one of these is you're, is you're, you're doing the opposite of human nature. And so human nature says, take all you can get, steal if you have to. And, but when, when Christ is living in you and we're following Paul's word, right, we do the opposite. And instead of, you know, taking from other people, we work hard so we can provide for ourselves and then have some to give away to other people. So you'll see that theme throughout each one of these. So therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, 
for we are members of one another. And so put away lying and speak truth. Okay. Why? Because we're members of one another. We're all on the same team. We're all trying to go in the same path. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And so anger, it happens. Um, but you know what? You got to put it away. Don't, don't, don't let it fester. Don't let it stay. Why? Because it's in the next verse it says, nor give place to the devil. So it's kind of like with that one, it's kind of like opportunity. Don't give play an opportunity to the devil. And so if there's you know, something that you're offended from, right, that you're angry about, and you just don't leave it unresolved, then each day that gets to be a bigger and bigger stronghold for the enemy, for, for Satan to go ahead and step. It's like making, it's like setting a table or setting a seat at your table for the enemy. Right? Don't give, don't give place to the devil. Because if we let that, you know, anger abide, then we're setting a, setting a place for him to just come and stay. So don't do that. But don't let the, so don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Take care of it today. You know, talk to the person. Go deal with it today. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Also, just another interesting point there, to, to, to labor doing something good. There's a lot of jobs in this world that you can get paid to do, but it's bad work. You know, it's, it's, it's morally base. You know, there's yeah. big, huge industries in America where you could go and do work, but you know what? It's, it's morally corrupting work. So it says, do what is good, right? Labor in something that's good so you have something to give to the one who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is, but only those words which are good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So, and so that's the goal. That's the idea, that corrupt words, they wouldn't come out of our mouth even. But the, the only things that would come out of our mouth would be words that edify other people. And that's, by the way, the tongue is the hardest thing to control. James talks about that. He says, he who, he who, can, who controls his own tongue can control the rest of his body. So it's like, as, as you get different parts of your body under, under the control of the Holy Spirit, under the control you know, of God, the tongue is the very last thing. You know, you can get the, if you can get your tongue under control, then the rest of your body you can get under control. There's nothing else that's, that can stop you. There's, there's no other part of your body that's more you know, defiant against God than your tongue. So if you can get your tongue under control, the rest of you is going to be fine. So, but also it's kind of like you fix, you fix the rest of yourself as much as you can, right? And so we're redeemed, and so we can be repaired, so we can walk like Christ. And so we go ahead and we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in his ways, right? And then the tongue is the last thing that we can get control over. But that's what, that's what our goal is. That's what we want. That's what it says here. Verse 21, 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but only those words that are good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So a lot of times people will say, like Christians will think, well, what's in it for me? Well, why should I even follow that, you know, these type things? I mean, I've got all these people around me, these other preachers that are telling me, hey, you can just do whatever you want, right? So what's, what's, what are you offering to me? What's in it for me? And so the benefits are, is the Holy Spirit abiding in your life? That's really the benefit. Um, because 
it's like this. When we, when we stick to these things, when we seek to walk in the Lord's way, then the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll stay in our life and he'll keep speaking to our lives. He'll give us correction. There are some, sometimes when he'll say things that just cut you to your heart and, you know, just make you feel like the most miserable, worst person on the face of the planet. But even that's good because it corrects us and so we can do better, so we can live God's way, so we can have the Holy Spirit come back, you know, into our lives. So without the Holy Spirit, though, um, I'll tell you, if, when, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, like it says here, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, then he just gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And it's like he goes to the corner and he's still there. He's in the corner just whispering, but we can't hear him anymore. And then pretty soon we're in a fog and we're in a daze and we don't know what's going on. And we don't have the life that we used to have. We don't have joy. So another verse about, you know, choosing God's ways is reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So reckon, reckon yourselves. It's a choice that we make, right? Okay. And so what Paul's saying is, if you have learned from Christ, if you have learned from Christ, then you'll recognize that these things that I'm saying are the truth. And so there's a lot of people that hear these words, um, but they don't, they just choose to not receive them, right? So Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do the things that I say? But if we've heard from Christ, if we can hear from Christ, then these words, these things will ring true in our hearts. And they'll also show us like the difference between where we're living right now, like our shortcomings. And so where we need to work at, you know, what we need to bring into submission to God. And, and so when we do those things, what's the benefit for us? It's the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. It's um, the Holy Spirit testifying that we're abiding in Christ. We talked about this. Him giving us direction. Him giving us, teaching us his word. Like giving us, like telling us what's going to happen in the future. Prophetic, right? Revealing mysteries to us from God's word. And giving us spiritual life. Um, strengthen us with might on the inside. And he's our prayer access to the Father. Our source of joy our power to be a witness and to do signs and miracles for him. And um, to, and, he, and he, then he chooses gifts for people who follow Christ. And so he's the one who gives the gifts. So anyway, <clears throat> don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Because if we live like the rest of the world around us, then we'll be grieving the Holy Spirit. And then, and then Paul just continues here in verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath... Anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so if you've heard from Christ or you can hear Christ, then you'll follow these words. So, I, so I'd say, okay, and, and during the month of January, we're going to be talking more about that. What we're going to do is we're going to get on a church-wide Bible reading program. So it'll be chronological and we'll start in January, and then we'll just go through the whole year, so through the Bible in one year. And um, so that way we could just immerse ourselves in what God says and what you know God's Word is. And um, we could maybe see the difference between other messages that are out there. Um, because God's message you know, is the message, but there's a lot of other people talking out there. And so I'll, I'd like to just mention maybe something else here, too. Um, about the people who contradict Jesus' teachings. There's, you know, it's so often where you hear somebody, a preacher, teacher, whatever, say, um, so Jesus said blah, 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 blah. But what he actually meant was 
contradict, contradict, contradict. And then they just undo what Jesus just said. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that's, that's a big problem in American Christianity. So, so just concerning this whole thing about living like Christ, right? About um, the doctrine of Christ, which is the doctrine that Christ brings. Okay, so I'm going, to read, I'm going to read this to you. This is in 2 John, verses 7 through 11. Feel free to go ahead and jump there if you have your, your Bible. Okay. 2 John, verses 7 through 11. And this is something that God showed me about a year ago, I guess. And um, it was just pretty powerful for me. So it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. And so this is, this is the part here. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine that Christ brings does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. And so there's whole seminaries that are built on the concept that you know, just believe, but you can't follow. Um, but Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do the things I say? He's saying, follow. His message over and over is follow me, follow me, follow me. And so one of them's right and one of them's wrong. And what First or Second John here is saying is, when somebody comes to you and says, look, you don't have to follow Jesus, just believe in him. But, you know, to, to actually do what Jesus said... You, you know, don't do that. When, when somebody brings that doctrine, Second John says, don't receive them. You know, don't bring them, don't greet them, don't bring them into your house for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So that includes, you know, don't buy their books. Don't listen to their radio, you know, shows or their podcast sermons. That's, that's why we were, that's why in 2018 we're going to start immersing ourselves in scripture as a church. And um, we're going to just, you know, at the beginning of January, we're going to fast all those other things. And so we could just really see what God's truth is. Because if we, you know, get full on the other stuff that the world has to give, then we're not going to be hungry for God's word when we go to the Bible. Or we're going to come to it with presuppositions on what we think it's supposed to say. But we just want, you know, the Lord to speak to us through his word. And he'll do that if we give him space to do that. So Jesus was born and he died to save us from our sins, from the power of sin, from the practice of sin, and from the penalty of sin. And if we're not, you know, saved from the power of sin or the practice of sin, then we won't be saved from the penalty of sin. So he came to save us from our sins, to set us free. For whom the Son sets free is really free, not free in a fake kind of way, but they really are free to live God's way. Instead of being, you know, chained to the sins of the past. So, anyway, so that's just a little bit about that. So, so how does so how does he end it here? And how how are we going to end it today? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So put away all these things. Take off the old man. Put on the new man. Let Christ live in you. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. And you know, and, and, and let him live through you.
be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So it's interesting. If I'm, if I'm out for your good, then I really can't be out for my own good at your expense. If I'm out for my own good, then I'll sacrifice you along the way so I can get what I want. But if I'm out for your good, if I'm out to be kind to you, then I'll sacrifice myself and so I can be kind to you. So be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we just give you thanks and praise uh, for this day. We thank you, we honor you, we exalt you. Um, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be born in a manger, just a lowly place, and so people like us could find him. If he was in a palace, then the simple simple folk like us wouldn't be able to get there. But you put him in a place so common that everybody could find him who, was, who wanted to. The shepherds came and found him. The wise men came and found him. Lord, we're just so thankful that you've counted us worthy to find Jesus. We ask that you would um, just bless us this Christmas. Reveal to us just the, sp the true spirit of Christmas. Speak your word to us. Make it new to us. Make your word fresh to us as we hear the Christmas story again, as we read it, as we bask in just the meaning of God giving us a gift, which is the biggest gift, the most extravagant gift that's ever been given. Help us to just see your goodness in the gift that you gave. We thank you for this day. We just ask that you would bless each one who's here. That you'd lead us in your way. That you'd teach us your truth. Yes, Lord. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. We ask that you'd bless our Christmas Eve service here uh, tomorrow night. That you would bring those that also want to see Christ the Lord that want to see the living Savior who've longed for a touch from you. We ask that you bring those people. Yes, Lord. And we just ask that you would bless and anoint that service. Help us to prepare for it and to execute it well for your glory. And Father, just help us to reach this city. Yes, Lord. Give us strategies. Give us insight, give us wisdom, give us resources, give us capacity to be able to proclaim Jesus Christ to the capital region. The people here would hear about Jesus. The people here would come to realization of who Jesus is and how much every one of us needs him. We give you thanks, we give you praise this day. And we thank you that Jesus said, the gates of hell, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is your church. Yes, Lord. And the gates of hell are going to be broken down by it. So, Heavenly Father, give us the strength to break those gates down. And so the captives could be set free. So that the blind could see, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk and that your name would be glorified. Yes, Lord. Don't give up on this city, Heavenly Father. Give us strength here. 
Help us to reach this city. Bless us each day. Bless this people as we go. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'd like to uh, sing a song for you.